going to kind of shift from what we've been doing about prayer. Uh, but I want to ask first, what's, what's the words for this year? What's the words for this year for this church? Serve, listen, and pray. Right? Because we spend a lot of time on prayer. So serve, listen, and pray. And I like the acronym SLAP. <laughs> serve, listen, and pray. Right? SLAP. So the word for the year is slap. So God's got to slap you, right? I don't know. Maybe you need to slap the person next to you. I don't know what you need to do, okay? So, but serve, listen, and pray. So we're going to kind of try to bring all those together and kind of talk about some stuff with, with that. Uh, but here's the thing is, uh, uh, John Maxwell said this the other day, and I, I was kind of listening to some of his teaching and stuff, and, and he says, good... It's when you get something, when you get information, when you have something happen. So, so for me, good would be a good meal. Anybody ever had a good meal? You know, just had a good meal. It's just, it just tasted good. It hit right. It didn't give you an upset stomach during the night. I mean, it, it didn't give you bad dreams. It was just a good meal, right? But great is really when life changes, when your life changes. So when you come to church, I would love to have a good service but what I really want is a great service so that in this service your life is changed something happens when you come to church when you're in God's presence when you're worshiping when you're hearing the word that you go out and you change and then it becomes great because great is when things change for the better right so anybody had everything great happen in your life right think about it anything great your life changed you have a first child it's great get married great kids go off to college great you know whatever <laughs> so when everything changes that's great and so so today we're going to talk about something that hopefully will be great it'll it'll maybe spur something to change in your life and it kind of goes along with slap serve listen and pray okay so uh jesus did something really interesting and in, when he was walking the earth he knew everything about everybody right he he knew and he knew he had power to bring healing. But it seemed like Jesus wouldn't do a lot of things unless the person came to him and asked for it. But then there was also times that he would do something different. And we're going to go into one of those things. Let's go to, uh, we're going to do uh, John chapter 1. We're going to have two scriptures out of John and one out of Mark. So we're not going to go very far from each other. But John chapter 1. And Jesus has been baptized and he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. And then John the Baptist had did this whole thing about, hey, you know, he's the Lamb of God and all this kind of stuff. And so John chapter 1, verse 35, and it says, Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned, and seeing them following him, said to them, Come follow me. Is that what that says? Hey, hang out with me. What did he do? What do you seek? What do you want? Now, don't you think Jesus already knew what they wanted? Don't you think he knew what was in their mind? I mean, he knew these were John's disciples, and he knew his time was coming up and John's was going to decrease. And so he knew that he was going to have disciples, and some of John's disciples were going to be his disciples. He knew what was going to happen, but he did not 
presume or assume that they wanted the same thing. So you ask them, what do you want? Have you ever had anything in life which you had assumed something or presumed something about somebody and it turned out to be not true at all? So since my wife kind of opened it up with, you know, she lost a friend this last couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I noticed we were getting distant, my wife and I. Anybody ever had those moments in your spouses? Especially us guys. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I feel my wife backing off from me, it kind of scares me. Anybody else with me on that? And so I start to get like a little fidgety, a little uh, nervous, a little, uh, you know, hey, 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 what's going on there? And so I took her out to breakfast and I said, hey, you know what? There's a little distance going on here between us. Uh, is, is there something? Because here's the thing. Is we've been working on this house together in Deckard. And there's been times that I've said stuff that I shouldn't say. Any men know what I'm talking about? Like one time we were working on something. I told her to do some dead wood. She goes, I don't know what that is. And I said, it's the part of the wood that sheetrock goes on to. And she goes, why do I need to do it? And I said, because I said so. Now, you wonder why my wife is distant. <laughs> so I knew that was in the back of my head, right? Okay, so I'm like, oh, I've done something. I've done something really bad. I've done something. And, and so I was like, oh, what's going on? And she says, well, hey, you understand, Sunday, one of my friends passed away. Sunday afternoon, our oldest son went back to college. Wednesday, we took our middle son to UTC. And Thursday, I had to take our daughter to go get all of her stuff and all that kind of stuff. And you wonder why I'm distant? I'm like, oh, it had nothing to do with me? Whew. <laughs> but my assumption and my presumption was that it was going to be my fault and that I was doing something wrong and I was getting ready to change. I was getting ready to maybe withdraw. I was getting ready to attack. I don't know what I was going to do, you know, just whatever a guy does at that moment. But because I asked, I then got the answer. And so Jesus starts with that. He says, what do you seek? What do you want? And their, their response back is kind of interesting. They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? That seems to be kind of nondescript, right? I mean, it's not like, can we follow you? Are you the Messiah? Can you? It's just, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he's staying and remained with him that day. In other words, all they wanted to do is hang out with Jesus. That's all they wanted. And so Jesus was asking them, what do you want from me? What do you seek from me? And they're just like, can we, can we hang out? And he's like, sure, let's go hang out all day. Now, Jesus could have turned around and said, you know what? You need your sins forgiven or you need to grow up or oh you of little faith right he could have done all those things to these guys because he does it to them later right but he just asks them what they need and they say we just want to hang out with you now the next time Jesus shows up with something like this let's go to John chapter 5 it's just a couple of chapters away so Jesus is coming through this the, the Jerusalem in verse 5 it says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said, Let me heal you. You need healing. Come on, let's get some healing. Come forward. 
What does he say? He asked him a question. Do you want to be made well? Now, isn't about that about the dumbest question you've ever heard? I mean, the guy's been sick for 38 years. That's kind of like, duh. You know, here's your sign if you're a being involved person, right? Like, yes, that's exactly what I want. Do you want to be made well? But you got to look at the guy's response. What's the guy's response? The sixth man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps before me. So what was the guy's answer? Do you want to be made well? And what was the guy focused on? What he lacked. What he lacked in the process. What he lacked. He was saying, I need somebody in my life that's going to put me in the pool when the angel comes and stirs the water. I need somebody in my life. And so Jesus asked him a question, and we realize the guy doesn't even know what he still wants, what he hopes for, what he's desiring, what he needs, because he's looking at the solution and not the problem. See, Jesus comes into our lives sometimes... And he says, what do you want? And we're just like, hey, we just want to hang out. We want to be in presence with you. But sometimes he comes along and he ha- asks you, do you want to be made well? And we're like, uh, yeah, I need $1,000. Is that what he asked? I mean, we, we think we have the solution to our problems. And if we get the solution to our problems, we won't have the problem anymore. And Jesus comes in and says, do you want this problem gone? Do you want to be made well? And the guy looks at, that and we do the same thing Jesus comes in he comes to us and he says do you want and he gives us the answer to our problem the solution to our problem and we answer him back with some other set of issues so he might come to you and he says you know what do you want to be made well and we're like I'm just hoping to hang on Jesus do you want to be made well? And it's like, well, if I can just get these people out of my life, I'll be okay. Do you want to be made well? And we have the wrong answer to the question. Did anybody watch the GOP debates? Did you notice how many times in debates, you've seen politics, right? How many times in politics does a reporter or somebody ask a question and they give the wrong answer to the question, right? It's got really bad in politics nowadays. Like, you know, hey, what are you going to do for Maui? No comment. Well, is that the answer that we want? You know, is that the question that they ask? You know, it's just like there's a disconnect. And in our spirit life, there's the same thing. God comes in and he says, what do you want? What do you need? Do you need to be made whole? And we have a really weird answer to it. And so I want to say is don't be like this guy. Now, the guy gets what he needs because what's the next verse? Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. So the guy didn't answer the question correctly, but Jesus still had the answer to his problem. And he still gave the answer to his problem. I think what he was doing is trying to make the guy realize what he was really looking at. And so sometimes Jesus comes into our life and he asks, do you want to be made well? And we think, this is our problem when really this is our problem. So let's go back to my example with my wife. I thought the problem was who? Me. I'm the problem. So if she had asked me, 
a question, what would I have said? Well, the solution is, is for me to get better. Me to do whatever. Me to not make her angry anymore. Me to keep my mouth shut on the job site. I mean, you know, whatever it would be, right? That would have been my, my answer. Because I had the wrong answer to the wrong problem. The solution was not that. See, what she needed from a husband that week was somebody that just was there with her. What did I need as a husband? What did I need? I needed attention. I, just, I mean, I was going through the same thing. Well, it wasn't my friend that passed away, but I mean, it's somebody that we're, we're close to. I lost my oldest son to college that week. I'd taken my middle son to college. I'd known my daughter's going to Motlow, and that just scares the heebie-jeebies out of me, you know, because she's driving the roads, and she's going to meet boys, and it's just, it's just kind of scary, right? But I just needed attention. So in our communication, we got what we both needed to solve our issue, not what it is. Now, if I had never asked the question, or if I'd asked the question and she had told me it, and I hadn't listened... And I was still thinking it's my problem. I would have still tried to solve a problem that wasn't there. Correct? Anybody ever done that with your spouse? They ask a question. You give an answer. Now you're thinking about what you're going to say to the next part of the argument. Because, you know, whatever's going on. Like, you know, why? You say, because I say so. I mean, you know, you're, you're not listening to what the question was. And now here's the, her response back. Okay, on that question of why, and I said, because I said so. She goes, that's not good enough. <laughs> Guess who was listening at that point? <laughs> right? You got to listen, right, to what's going on. And so, listening, right? And so when God asks us a question, we have to listen. We have to listen. When God asks us something, we need to listen to what he's asking us because it will clue us into what the problem is. So I've had a lot of people say, you know, I need prayer for finances. Anybody ever prayed for your finances? You know, praying for finances. Is that really the problem? Not normally. You know, if we're really praying for finances, then God would answer all of our lottery questions, yes. Right? Anybody ever seen Bruce Almighty, that movie where he says yes to all of it and everybody wins the lottery and everybody gets like 10 cents on the, the lottery or whatever because everybody wins or something, right? If God really wanted to answer your financial problems, money would be just pouring out of heaven and lotteries and government grants and all that kind of stuff. But is that really the problem? Most of the time with my problem with finances is that I've got my priorities out of whack or I've got my... my thought process out of whack. I've got myself in a hole that I must dig myself out of because I was thinking this would solve my problem. And so really my problem is not my problem. And so when he asked me, what do you need? What do you want? Do you need to be made well? Do you need to be made financially secure? Then it makes me stop and think, what is my real problem? Now, Jesus does it again in Mark chapter 10. Jesus is headed to be crucified. In reality, that's where he's going. He's leaving from Jericho, going to Jerusalem. And so this scripture's kind of 
right before he goes and, and enters Jerusalem. I'm going to start with verse uh, 47. This is a guy named Bartimaeus. He's blind. And he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the same, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. Now Jesus should know what he wants, right? Why? He's blind, it's obvious, he's blind. He needs, he needs healing for his blindness. But the guy was asking for something else. What was he asking for? Was he asking, Son of David, heal my sight? No. What was he asking for? Mercy. So here the guy was asking for something that he probably needed, but it wasn't exactly everything that Jesus was going to give him. So here's, I think, our third thing. is Sometimes we ask for the small amount because we don't believe Jesus is going to give us the big amount. Right? We believe Jesus will give us mercy. He'll forgive us of our sins, but we don't believe He's going to give us life and life more abundantly. We believe Jesus is going to, to, to take us to heaven on that last day, but we don't believe He's going to give us peace like He gave us peace, abundant peace, abundant joy. We don't believe He will give us the big thing, so we ask for the small thing. And so this guy's asking... Jesus, have mercy on me. Just, just have mercy. And Jesus stops, calls him to him, and then he does something. He says, what do you want me to do for you? In that moment, as this blind man is standing in front of Jesus, I think something happened. I think he realized, I better ask for the whole tamale. I better ask for the big thing. I better ask for the, the what, right? Because he says something to him. What does he say? Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. In other words, when he got in the presence of Jesus and Jesus asked him, what do you really want? It made him see the bigger picture of what he could have. And he says, give me my sight. And so Jesus said something to him. He says, your faith has made you well. And immediately received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. And so he was present. When Jesus did the triumphal entry, entry into Jerusalem. He was present when, when people were hollering, Hosanna, 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 and throwing down the palms. This guy saw Jesus enter into Jerusalem as the Messiah. In other words, he asked for mercy, but when Jesus stopped and said, what do you really need? He asked for the big thing, and he got it. What in your life are you not asking for the big thing? You're not asking for the fullness of God in your life and Jesus is saying, hey, what do you want? What do you need? What do you want from me? Listen, when we pray, we need to listen to what he asks us so that when we pray, we ask for what we really, really want. So if you really want the lottery, ask for it. Now, you may get it. I haven't yet, okay? You got to buy a ticket somehow, some way. I don't know. Something real weird like that. But what do you really want? You know, Lord, just just get me through it. Just just have mercy on me. But maybe when he asks, what do you want? What do you want from me? I'm like, hey, I want my family to be strong in the Lord. I want my family to, 
to find the right spouses. I want my family to, you know what I'm saying? You know, I go bigger. Because when he stops and he gives me his attention, you need to ask for what you want. Because if you don't ask, he says, you have not because you ask not. He tells us, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened up into you. That's the whole thing of the prayer. But listen, you've got to listen to this question. Now, we have to also do it with each other. And so I'm going to just give this little thing. So we're getting ready to do the fair booth. We're going to serve a lot of people when you go to the fair booth. If you're a server or if you're a person working in the kitchen, you're going to serve a lot of people. When you're serving people, guess what you need to do? If you're going to serve them, you bring them a menu and you say, does that work? You have to say what? What do you want to order? What do you need? What are you here for? What you like to have? Right? So in serving, you need to ask. And then you need to what? So we don't let dad do any waitressing anymore. And the problem is his hearing aids don't work at the fair very well. And so he would go and ask, what do you need? And they would go. And he'd be like, I have no clue what they just said. Yeah. Right? Because he couldn't listen to what they were saying because of all the noise. And so sometimes when we serve others, when I serve my wife, when I serve people at the fairgrounds, I say, I got to start with, what do you need? What do you want from me? Just like Jesus did. And then you have to listen. And they may ask for hamburgers, they may ask for fries, they may ask for whatever. But listen with the Spirit, because what they say they may want, they may be saying, I need mercy. When Jesus is wanting to say, I want to give you wholeness. I want to give you healing. I want to give you wellness. Because when we serve at the fair booth, it's not about handing out hamburgers and getting money. It's about ministering to every person that comes and sits on those benches. Right? Clint, you're here because there was three ladies that listened and gave you what you needed, which was connection, right? Connection to a family, right? That's why you're here because of the fair booth. I mean, that's, that's the only reason you're here, right? And there's other witnesses and stuff. There are people that I meet at the fair every year that I've met year after year after year. Because they come back to our fair booth because they know we will listen and we will pray and we will give them what they need. When you serve people and you ask. Now, that's the fair. When you go to Walmart and you meet somebody, what should you do? Ask. What do you need? What do you need from God? What does Jesus... Because, listen, who are you? You are the representation of Jesus Christ here on earth. So if he did the same thing, you should ask. What do you want? What do you need? Now, you don't have to ask it like that. You know what I'm saying? You can, you can tone it into the conversation. But you need to then listen, and then you need to pray and bring about what they need in their life. And don't take their first answer, because they may cry, I just need mercy, when really what they need is they need wholeness. They need salvation. They need more in their lives than that, right? And so I'm going to just say, with my wife, when I ask her what's going on at breakfast the other day, if I had not listened, 
And then we had not prayed, which was, how can I be of help for you? How can I, how can I minister to you? She was like, how can I minister back to you? If we hadn't talked it out, would we have got to a resolution? The same thing happens in any conversation, in any place that you're in life. Work, Walmart, Dollar General. When you're in the presence of somebody, you need to be serving them because Jesus said, I come to not be served but to be a servant and you will go forth and be just like me. And if I am a servant, you will be a servant also. So when you go and serve, listen, pray, and be ready to give answers to the questions maybe they don't ask or beyond what they ask and then give them what God has for them. Because when you do that, you walk like Jesus walked. You do what Jesus did. Because Jesus asked questions. He just didn't walk in and give them answers. Because if he had just come in and give them answers, they probably wouldn't have taken it. And lots of times as religious, the religiosity of us, we come in and give people answers. What do you need? I need a hotel room for the night. No, you need Jesus. If you got Jesus, you wouldn't need a hotel room. You'd be all right. Well, Jesus always asks, what do you want? He provided what they needed, and then they got the kingdom afterwards. Is that my mic? Sorry about that. Got a rumbly tumbly in my stomach. So...